Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Welcome to Believer's Church. Welcome to our new series, Helping the Next Gen Win. Last weekend, if you weren't here, we had a panel with all the different generations on it. They did an incredible job. That's all free. You can go to believers.cc, watch it or listen to it. You can take your Believer's app and listen to it or watch it on that. I'm excited you're here. I get to give what we call lesson number two of Helping the Next Gen Win. And I thought what would be cool, because we're living in a really unique time as a country, this is the first time in our history as a nation that we have five generations that are alive on the earth at the same time. And that's because people are living longer. And we have every generation represented here right now in this room. And it's really, really awesome. So I thought we'd have a little fun. I want to show you a picture. And I want you to guess what generation I'm talking about. So here's the first picture. How many of us know what generation this is? It's called the greatest generation, but they are the builders, the builder generation. They were born from 1925 to 1946. The youngest is 71. The oldest is 92. And one of the reasons Tom Brokaw gave them the name, the greatest generation, is because they fought two world wars and went through the Great Depression. And they left us an incredible nation. So we are so thankful for all the builders that are in this room. Take a look at this next picture. What generation is this, guys? The boomers, yeah, because the guys came back from war and got busy and had a bunch of babies, right? So the baby boomers, they were born from 1946 to 1964. The youngest is 53. The oldest is 70. And here's just something for you to think about. You might be in here and you may fit in as a boomer, but you may relate more to the builders because of where you were in the birth order in your family, or you, you may relate more to the lower generation, and that's cool because cool, it's all kind of when you were born, what your family dynamics were like. This is a huge generation. 76 million of us were born, but we're not the biggest. The biggest is yet to come, and it's going to shock you what the biggest generation is. It's, it's not the builders. It's not the boomers. But after the boomers came this generation. Which generation is this, guys? Can you guess? This is America's most famous middle child, Jan Brady, guys. And uh, remember, Marsha was her older sister. And remember, Marsha, 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 right? This, this is the baby busters. They were born from 1965 to 1982. The youngest is 35. The oldest is 52. And here's why they're called the busters, us boomers. The birth control pill was invented. Roe versus Wade happened. Abortions became very prevalent in our nation. And all of us boomers said, you know what? I'm tired of having all these siblings. I want my kids to be an only child. And so we just had much less children. And so they call them the busters. And the reason they're called America's middle child is because the media ignored them. The media paid attention to the boomers because there were so many of us, and they paid attention to the next generation, which is the largest of all generations that are alive on the earth. And so the busters felt like, hey, why isn't anybody paying attention to me? So the busters are kind of going, boomers, boomers, boomers. They're a little bit upset with the boomers, but they're an incredible generation. Take a look at this picture. What generation is this? This is the millennials, man, 1983 to 1999. They're also called the selfie generation. And I'm a little jealous. 
little envious because if, if smartphones existed for us boomers, we would have been called the selfie generation because we would have been doing the same exact thing. And the oldest is 34, the youngest is 18, and this room is filled up with millennials, and we are so excited that you're here. They are the largest generation. More of them were born than any other generation, 83 millions. And the buster said, I, I was an only child. I don't want my kid to be an only child. And they just had more kids, and boom, you had the millennials. Take a look at this picture. What generation is this, guys? All your nieces and nephews, your, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they can all work their way on a smartphone or a pad, right? This is Generation Z, born from the year 2000, and they're not finished yet. We don't know where they're, if they're going to end them at 20, 21, 22, but these guys are one day old to 17, and these are incredible people too. Here's what this series is about. This series is about helping the millennials and Gen Z win. And when I say win, here's what I mean. We're talking about helping them win in, in the secular arena, and we're talking about helping them win spiritually. That's what we want to do. We want to help them win. And those of us that are above them, I mean, that's, the, that's one of the very reasons we exist, is to help the next generation win. And I think we all can feel that if we think of our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. We think of our nieces and our nephews, our great-nieces and nephews. We want them to win. We want them to go further than we, we ever went. And so we, we thought, let's do a series. Let's help us. So I, I came up with three principles. We're going to deal with one today and two next week. Next week, I'm going to give you some to-dos of what you can do to help this generation with two principles. This week, I want to deal with one principle. And if you and I can get this one, our hearts will be right. It's absolutely amazing. We had so much fun in the previous services. So you guys ready to have some fun, right? This is my big idea. I'm going to show it to you in a moment. My big ideas are usually, this is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. This one's a little bit clunky, but, 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 I, but it gives us our principle. That's why it's a little bit clunky, and it goes like this. The next gen wins when they understand God's standard for living, not our standard of living. Now, God's standard for living is way different. It's an internal thing. Our standard of living is external. And what we have to do, and I know my parents did it, they, they, they wanted me to be just like them, the same clothes, the same hair, the same music, the same politics. And then I did it with my kids, and I had to correct it because I saw myself doing it. It's so tempting to try to force our standard of living on them. But if we want to help the next gen win, we want to we, we deal with God's standard for living. So I just thought, just to help us out, make it plain concerning our standard of living, I thought I'd pull some pictures out. I'd pull some pictures of me out. And take a look at this one. This is me at my eighth grade graduation, right? <laughs> eighth grader, man, graduating. And mom took me to buy me an outfit. She said, what do you want? I said, I want those red and white checkered pants. She said, that looks like a tablecloth. I said, mom, it's in. It's cool. And it was in, and it was cool. And I said, I want a red bow tie. So how many millennials and Gen Zs are glad you don't have to wear our clothes, right? I mean, whew. But, but here, here's me, my junior year of high school, and this is when the silk came in, guys. So, so this, this is uh, Saturday Night Fever, man. So I had my tight silk shirt on. I had a leisure jacket that went over it, and I had my hairstyle of that day. How many of you millennials and Gen Zs are glad we're not forcing this style on you, right? But then, guys, how about this? How about our music? You know, I did a Google search, 
and I looked at the most popular uh, music of the 70s for pop music, and you know what it was? It was Night Fever by the Bee Gees. How many of you remember that song? Can you help me out? I mean, you can even stand. Come on. Come on. Who's going to help me out? Come on. Let's go. This was the most popular song. Watch the video. You can YouTube it, Millennial. Watch the video. Then they go like this. Oh, yeah. Man, they're having a good time. Come on. Woo! It was an awesome time to live, man. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Now, how many of us are glad if we're Millennials? Even the Busters are glad they weren't part of this, right? I mean, and they're right behind us. They're like, I'm glad that's over. Music, music yeah, drove you to drugs. I know, I know. <laughs> I understand that. Did me too. So <laughs> it was a crazy time. But that's the style. Styles change. They always change. That, that's when we try to force our standard Amen. of living on the next generation. We can't help them grow that way. God says, no, no. You have to teach them my standard for living. It's way different. And we can really help them succeed if, if we do that. So here's, here's, here's the section of Scripture. This series is based on Psalm 78.1. It says, My people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. Verse 2. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from of old, things we have heard and know, things our ancestors have told us. Now, all this has become the Bible. It's the Bible. And, and notice how the ancestors are to tell us. Listen to the next verse, verse 4. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and wonders he has done. Here's what God's saying. We have to teach the next generation God's standard for living. We have to teach them what the Bible says is the most important thing. And you're going to notice it has nothing to do with the outside. So I got to studying this out. And I asked myself, if I were, if I were to ask a millennial or Gen Z, if I were to ask them, or a new Christian, what, what are the uh, three most important questions that I can ask them? What would it be? And, and, I, and I saw it, man. I came up with it. I love it. We want to go over these questions. And if we, if we can teach these principles and ask these questions and help the next gen understand it, we'll change their lives forever. And we're going to have some fun as we go through these, believe me. So here's the first question we have to ask. Who are you following? Because we all follow someone, right? We all follow someone. And when I was a young guy, I followed Arnold Schwarzenegger because I was, wanted to be from California. And so I wanted to pump up and be from California. So I, I followed him, you know. And, and uh, I followed sports stars, and I just followed all these people, you know. And you follow culture, and you follow, you know, different things, celebrities. But, but the question we want to ask the next gen is, who are you following? Because there's one person, if you're a Christian, that you, can, you should follow. You can enjoy other people. You can respect people. But who are you following? And, and Jesus said it needs to be him. Listen to Luke 9, 23. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. 
And we talked for a minute about following him. We're going to go through this first. I have some cool things to tell you about it. In order to follow Jesus, you have to read the Bible and just find out what he said. That's all. And the whole Bible is God speaking to man. It's alive. It's, it's living. It's God speaking to us. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's Jesus speaking. They recorded what Jesus himself said. So here's, here's the thing. Number one, in order to follow Jesus, you have to just see what he says. And one of the things we want to teach this next gen is the most precious book, the most precious thing on planet Earth is the Bible. And I mean, I, I kiss mine all the time. I know you think this is a pad, but my Bible's on it. It's that precious. It's that precious, guys. Can you see it as that precious? It's that precious. It's God speaking to us. And if we can teach the next gen to follow him, amazing things happen because all of a sudden we're not forcing our way of doing things on them. They can do it in their style. They can do it with their clothes. They can do it with their music. But the question is, are they following Jesus? If we can just get them to follow Jesus. Look at this verse again. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, look, look what you have to do when you follow Jesus. You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow him. And might I say, every generation needs to do that. Us boomers need to do it, the busters, the builders. If we're going to follow him, listen, you have to give up your own way. Do you know what that means? One day you're going to be reading the Bible, and Jesus is going to say, this is the way it's done, and you're going to be doing it the opposite way. And at that point, you have to make a decision. What am I going to do? And that's why he says, pick up your cross, because picking up your cross simply means this. It's referring to dying to yourself. Jesus was nailed to the cross. They crucified him. He died on the cross. When the Bible says pick up your cross, all it means is you're saying no to the way you used to do it, and you're saying, Jesus, this is awkward. Jesus, I don't really like it, but you said to do it. I'm going to do it, and you just follow him. Now, listen very carefully. That's when we grow. And if we can teach that next gen to do it, I mean, when I listen to Nick's video, that's what happened to Nick, that video we watched, man. That's what God did in that young man's life. He's a senior in high school. Think about that. But listen, God isn't just taking you nowhere. He has a place he wants to bring you to. And if we can help the next gen understand this, listen to Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us. This is referring to anybody that's accepted Jesus. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, referring to you're born again on the inside. Listen to this. So he can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And the number one problem with this generation, our generation, every generation, the younger generation, is not knowing their purpose. And if we can help them understand, if you follow Jesus, he's going to show you why you're alive. He's going to show you why you're living. It's absolutely amazing. I have four kids. They're all millennials. And every one of them loves God with a passion. If they move out of state, and different ones have, they, they find a church, they hook up, and they love God with a passion. They just follow Jesus. But when they were growing up, you know, they knew, hey, guys, just find out what he said and do it. Put it in practice. And they had this passion. And the younger generation will change. They'll grow. They'll become everything God wants them to be. And now my kids know their purpose. And they're so excited because they know what God wants them to do with their life. Here's the second question I would ask. What are you wearing? We're not talking about clothing, right? That changes. But I do want to take a moment and talk about clothing for a moment, okay? Because 
Here's something a lot of us older folks have a problem with. We don't have to do it. We don't have to wear it. But take a look at this picture. This, this is, I call them holy jeans. So if, if they're holy, they have to be spiritual, right? Because they're holy, right? Now, let me tell you God's opinion of holy jeans. He has no problem with holy jeans as long as the holes are in the right place, okay? That's all he cares about. God teaches us what? To be moderate, right? So they just have to be in the right place. He could care less. Now, if you're older like me, you, you might say, hey, I, that's not my style. That's cool. I wish this was in style when I was a kid. I used to go out on the playground and rip my knees. I'd fall on the asphalt playground, rip holes in my knees just about once or twice a month. And then my mom, she didn't want me to go to school with holes in. They didn't have enough money to buy me new pants. She put patches on. And I had to go with patches. And I think, oh, I wish holes were in style back when I was a kid because I would have been really cool. I would have had holes all over the place, right? <laughs> listen to this. Listen to this. This is absolutely true. About 12 years ago, I think, I was up here worshiping, just worshiping God. It was like the second song, and one of our ushers came up. He, he would have been a builder, and he just nudged me, and I look, and he goes, there's a kid in here with a ball cap. He goes, I'm, is it okay if I just tell him to take it off or leave? I said, no, just let him alone. He goes, what? He goes, no, we got to tell him to leave. It's not right. And so I took him out in the lobby. I said, let's go out in the lobby. So we're having a talk out there. And I, you know, I, I grew up, again, I'm a boomer. And I grew up Catholic. So in, in the Catholic uh, culture, it's a sin to wear a hat, for a man to wear a hat in church. It's a sin. And I don't know how Protestants were raised, but that's how us Catholics were raised. And then we know the culture, you know, all, all of my grandparents, my, my grandparents, my, my grandpa, Genus, grandpas, they all wore hats, and they looked pretty cool. They had those mafia hats, you know. And uh, they looked really cool, but when they walked in a building, they took them off. That was culture. But I'm out here, and I'm saying to this guy, I said, listen, listen. I've studied the Bible a lot because this is a big deal to me. It's not a sin to have a ball cap on in church. We were taught that, but it's not a sin. And I said, I'm going to get you some scriptures. I'm going to get you some books. I'm going to help you out with that. But then I went on and said this. this is, listen, this is really important. I said, that kid, I know him, he's 19. That's 12 years ago. I said, he drove here by himself. His parents didn't even come. They don't even go to church. He drove here by himself. And are we going to get stuck on the fact he's wearing a hat? Are you kidding me? He's following Jesus, and that's the culture. So what? You don't have to wear one, but if he wears one, who cares? But I did go on to say this. I said, now, if you ever see someone with a Pittsburgh Steeler hat... <laughs> I said, or I hate Satan, both the same. Or I love Satan. I said, they're both the same. I said, don't even ask them to take it off. Just, just escort him out the door, right? God doesn't really care, guys. And, and some of you, I might be rubbing some of you like sandpaper today, but if you really study it out, I know the scriptures. I know a man shouldn't have his head. I know that's not what they're saying, okay? God doesn't care. And if we get stuck on that, we're going to push people out the doors, and we don't want to push millennials out the door. The question we want to ask them is, what are you wearing? It's a spiritual question. Here's my verse, Ephesians 4.24, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So just like you and I look in the closet, we decide what to wear. God says we have to put something on spiritually. 
Just like you put your clothes on today, you have to put something on spiritually. He's talking about the real you. He, when you accepted Christ, as we said, you were born again, changed into his image. Did you notice he said the new you is in true righteousness and, and true holiness? And putting it on is just simply referring to renewing your minds. It's just changing your thinking and coming to understand that, hey, I'm holy and I'm blameless. And when I accepted Christ, all my sins were forgiven and God loves me and God's good and God cares about me. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. Renew your head with that, baby. Wear that around and it will change you forever. It's going to change you. But if we're trying to get stuck on the outside, we're just going to push. There's so many dying churches and they're just pushing everybody out the door and they might say we're compromising, but guys, if you go to church here, I don't compromise. I mean, I just told you, you need to follow Jesus. And when he says something that's contrary to what you're doing, you need to nail what you want to do to the cross and follow him. That's not compromise. That's big time discipleship, guys. That's discipleship. And that hurts. I've, that's hurt me many a time where Jesus said, don't do that. I'm like, but it's fun to gossip. I like it. <laughs> don't do it, Joe. Okay, okay, God. All right. Just to my wife, okay. <clears throat> we, all, we all get tempted with things, right? Here's the third question. Who are you worshiping? This is a huge question. Because worship is always attached to music, and music is a huge deal in the church, right? What style of music? And We all have our favorites, and you know what? It's okay to have your favorites. That's, that's cool. But let me tell you a story. This happened, we were a church about 15 years, okay? And let me tell you about when we started Believers in 1983. I was 24. Our worship leader was 23. We were both cool people, okay? And so here we are. I told our worship leader, I said, listen, I want you to just rewrite songs, write a bunch of them, make them the sound of our day. So we rocked it out. We were like 70s rock, and here it was rocking out. And, and people came of every age. We had, I was blown away. We had builders galore here. We had, we had every generation coming to our church. It was amazing. And the reason they came, some of them didn't like the music, but they came because we were authentic and they were being fed the word of God. So they were like, they came. Our worship leader, about 15 years, or, or not, our, our youth pastor, about 15 years that we're a church now, 15 years, his name's Mark Pegley, one of my closest friends to this day. He said, I got to talk to you. One day he sat me down. He said, Joe, he said, our music is excellent as far as quality, vocals. He said, but it's, it's out of style now. He said, it's out of style. And I looked at him and said, no, it's not. We have the coolest music ever. <laughs> I said, I love our music and it's not out of style. And Mark just looked at me and said, listen, I like it too, but, but I'm with the, the high school kids. And you know what they're telling me? As soon as we, our parents don't make us come to church here, we're not coming anymore because this music is, is old-fashioned. And I thought, how could anyone ever say 70s rock is old-fashioned? It's the coolest music ever, right? <laughs> and I was offended. And so Mark said just, he said, do me one favor. He said, pray about it. I said, I'll pray about it. And then I started asking young people, a lot of our leadership, I asked their kids, I asked my kids, what do you think of our worship? And everyone said the same thing. It's incredible. The, the, the musicians are incredible. The vocals are incredible, but it's out of style. And every one of them, I just was upset after I walked away. I thought, why did I ever ask you? It's not out of style. It's cool. I mean, come on. So after about a year, because I'm hard-headed, 
You know, my family is from Calabria. That's a section of Italy. That's where the boot is. In every part of Italy, they give you a name or a phrase. And Sicilians are called cutthroats. That's right across from us. Calabrese are called hardheads. And so I have a little bit of a hardhead thing going there. And I'm fighting God, you know. And finally, I just said, all right, God. I said, I see it. I had to see it. I can't do anything unless I see it. And we began to change. And it was amazing what God did as we began to make those changes. And people began to come that were younger. And people that were younger began to love our church. And so the question we want to ask is not what style of worship. We want to ask, who are you worshiping? My brother Tony, this is a true story. When, when he was, he's a missionary. And when his daughter's became uh, high school age, he was so frustrated they were listening to Hillsong. And he didn't think Hillsong worship was good because it was the wrong style. And so Tony locked them in his van. He put on the Doobie Brothers. He made them listen to an entire Doobie Brothers CD. And he kept looking at them saying, that's real music. That's good music. We don't want to be like Tony, right? Let me tell you something I learned. This will bless the socks off you. God showed me this. Every one of us in this room, we have special spiritual moments in our life. Every one of us have special spiritual moments. And it might have been when you first accepted Jesus, you know. And so whatever music was playing at that time, whatever the music was, whatever the songs were, they, you have an attachment to them. When you hear them, you feel really, you feel good. You feel some goosebumps. You, you, you might call it the anointing because that was a special moment in your life. The first time that you ever made a decision, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going to see myself as if I'm standing right in front of the throne of God and I'm going to worship. And the first time you worship from here and you felt the very presence of God, whatever song that was, that song is going to always be precious to you. And so sometimes then we begin to confuse style with moments in our life. And so here's what God showed me. And he showed me that if I worship with any song, any style, if I worship with all my heart, I will create a new moment. And every weekend I have new moments. And I love the music we sing here. Can we give it up for our singers and band and just thank them for the incredible job they do? But I learn. I, I get up in the mornings. I worship a little bit. And, and, and I have these God moments every morning. So I'm always having a new, I, I'm a, whatever songs we sing now, I have moments with them. So they're awesome. But I did tell, I told our worship team, I said, listen, guys, twice a month, I want us to do hymns because they're precious and they're precious to a lot of us here. I said, let's do hymns. But I said, rewrite them and make them modern. So for the younger people, you think it's a new song. And for us older people, we're like, ah, ah, I feel it. I feel it. It's awesome. And that's okay. They're precious. They're powerful. They're good. But God can keep creating new moments for us all the time. So we asked to ask them, who are you worshiping? And uh, listen to what Jesus said, John 4, 23. He said this, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. What's God looking for? Someone that will worship him in spirit and truth. What does he call them? True worshipers. Here's all it means to worship in spirit and truth. In spirit means you're, you're singing from your heart, not just mouthing it with your head. You just see yourself as if you're in front of the throne of God and you're singing with everything you have. That's in the spirit, in spirit. And then in truth just means it's biblical. Jesus said, Father, 
thy word is truth. It just means biblical. It doesn't have to be an exact verse, but it's scriptural. And that's what God's looking for. Listen to verse 24. The, for God is a spirit, so those who worship him must worship. Listen to this. This is a command. They must worship him in spirit and truth. Did you notice that God isn't saying anything about style? The Bible doesn't ever talk about style. Can, can we get real here? What if we had to go back you know, Paul and Peter, you know, they wrote most of the New Testament. What if we had to do their music? What if they taught us in the Bible, this is the style that God inhabits, and this is the great music? Could you imagine coming in today, and we'd have an out-of-tune harp, and we'd be going, I mean, be some kind of Hebrew thing, you know, and singing with the style they sing. Whoo! How many of us are glad we don't have to do that, right? Here's what I learned. If, if we can learn to change with culture and stay culturally relevant without compromising anything, all of us can worship in any style. And if the younger generation wants to do a certain thing, I, I, used, I, I, I remember when, when I was, uh, I think I was a senior in high school, my brother Tony was was dating his hairstylist, Sophia. And he said, Joe, you need a new hairdo because my dad was cutting my hair at the time. So he takes me and, and, and she gave me John Travolta's hair, you know, which is just what I'm doing right now. <laughs> 40 years later, right? I haven't changed my hairstyle, but, but I'm just still doing the disco look, right? But young people don't mind as long as I'm authentic and they know I love them, right? But I go to a barber now and I see some of the cuts he does and I think, those are cool haircuts, but I'm too old to be cool anymore. I'm just going to stay who I am, right? But I appreciate it. And you don't have to change who you are, but let's accept and let's appreciate this generation. And here's the final thing. I'm asking a question. We're actually doing it here, but I want to do it at a higher level. Here's the question. What would it be like to have an entire generation that loves attending and being part of their grandparents' church? How cool will that be? Instead of dying as a church, our kids want to come to our church. Can we give it up? Let's give it even a bigger shout, man. That's where we want to take this thing. And, and it's going to be full of God because we're going to worship as true worshipers. We're going to follow Jesus. It's going to be deep because we're going to follow him with a passion. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Let's pray. Lord, I did my best to teach this part of the Bible. I thank you for every incredible person in this room. I thank you for the builders. I thank you for the boomers, the busters. Lord, I thank you for the millennials, and I thank you for Generation Z, Lord. We thank you. And Lord, this is all about us because we had our time. We had our place in history. Not that we're finished, but Lord, now we have a responsibility according to the Bible, and our responsibility is to help this next gen win. And Lord, I thank you for making that so real to us. And next week, Lord, when we talk about two things we can do to help them win, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for changing us forever. And Lord, thank you for helping us love not just our grandchildren, not just our great-grandchildren, not just our nieces and nephews, our great nieces and nephews, but help. thank you for helping us love the entire next gen, Lord. Thank you for helping us put our focus on them because they are the future of this nation and they are the future of the church of God. And I thank you, Lord God, for growing every single one of us. And Lord, I thank you also for helping the millennials and, and, and helping Gen Z understand how much we care and love them, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in growing us further in Christ. And 
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask one more question before I go. If you're here, you're not sure of your eternity. You're not sure if you were to die, if you'd go to heaven or hell. I want you to listen up. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you were water baptized as a baby or an adult. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. Here's what I'm asking. You can grow up in a Christian church and never know Jesus. I'm asking you, can you remember a moment in your life when you said, Jesus, I believe you're the Savior, and I make a decision to follow you. I accept you and make a decision to follow you. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember that, but my heart's touched. I'm ready to do it today. I want to ask you to pray with me right now. Everyone else in the room, can we help them? Jesus said, if you call on my name, I'll save you. He said, you can't work your way to heaven. And so we, I just want to give you an opportunity to contact heaven for the first time and have God do what we read in the scriptures. He'll change you from the inside out. And then you can follow Christ like the rest of us. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I'm ready. Would you pray with me? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God. And the rest of us, let's help them. I realize I'm a sinner. And this day, I look to the Savior, Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. God raised you from the dead. And this day, I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.